All righty. So I uh, get this email PM from James up in Alaska. Jimmy D for all Jimmy you guys. D. Jimmy D up in Alaska. Thanks for the coffee mug, dude. Yeah, yeah. The coffee mugs rock. Um, so he, he sends me a note that ancient aliens beats CNN right now in prime time on Friday nights. Well, that's because they have more truth. Right, totally. And that's where I get my news is ancient aliens. (laughs) I watched it last night. It kicked ass. There was some, I watched a bunch of good ones. Even, you know what I like? I tried to do some Giorgio hair for you today. Oh, yeah. I I wish, I got to get a wig, a Giorgio hair wig. You do have a Giorgio going on. Yeah, it's kind of going. Just a little short. Yeah. We get a little longer in front and you'll be money. Well, then I'll need a bandana to kind of hold it up. Heidi, we need a Giorgio haircut for Mike. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So we're going to do... He's got some new hair oil in his beard. I do. You check it out. It's all straight now. (laughs) Very good. It's not all wavy and dumb looking. I have oil too. I just haven't used it. You got to use it. Yeah, yeah. It's the trick. Um, So ancient aliens kicked ass. I'll tell you what. They did the Easter Island episode with the uh, Marquesas. The faces. Yeah, the faces. And they're they're facing each other 2,000 miles apart. They figured out that these uh, statues are facing each other. And the seven on Easter Island supposedly came from the Marquesas. And they're the seven sons. And what's a Marquesas? It's an island chain. It's a oh, French okay. Polynesia. Oh, okay. So it's the name of the place. Yeah, yeah. Okay. French Polynesia. And um, so then what was the, this other episode? There was some good stuff. But then I watched In Search Of with time travel. Ooh. They showed In Search Of with uh, Mr. Spock, the new Mr. Spock, that Zachary Quintano guy. Oh, the dude from uh, what's that scary show? That's on Netflix, uh, the American Horror Story. Yeah, I think he's on that, is he? Yeah, he's like one of the uh, okay, uh, one of the dudes that's like a neighbor or something like that. I don't Probably. Know. So he's he does in search of he replaced Leonard Nimoy and he's doing it. And this last episode last night was on time travel. I'm not watching any more American Horror Story, just so you know. No, it's it's pretty creepy. Yeah, it's it creeped me out. Like I got about six episodes into yeah. it, I can't deal with. I'm this. all into it. dude. New Conjuring, the the yeah, nun. I'm not doing it. No, not doing it. Okay. <laughs> How so he's on the show. Out? He's on the show. Yeah. And he's he's doing his thing. Time traveling Chinese, man. He's all about it. He he must have Googled that then. Well, he knew there was a guy who said he time traveled for DARPA and that DARPA has it figured out and that it's a Tesla thing. And that when they stole, when Tesla died in the Chelsea Hotel in New York in the, in the 20s or 30s, I think it was 30s he died. He had like 25 trunks labeled and a bunch of them as soon as he died the fbi went in and took all his stuff and there's a bunch missing so they're saying his weapons and certain things he was coming up with because he wanted to do the death ray he wanted to have like on the coasts of the country there would be like a death ray that he would just zap anything that came Mm -hmm. towards the u.s so that's like that new Chinese laser that yes, they have out. That, exactly. Like, oh, we could set somebody on, on fire, fire at a mile. Te- Only if they had some glass that could get out to a mile. That'd be right, they'd be right Tesla, on top. Tesla figured that out where he could build a tower like on Long Island. Mm. And if you tried to come and attack New York, he would just zap you out of the water or the sky. Just turn you into dust. Turn you into dust, man, like Thanos. He'll do like a fucking thumb snap and, you're be, <laughs> and you're like gone. So Tesla was like the the, the ancient Thanos, man. Mm. And so the FBI snagged all this stuff. So this guy was on In Search of last night telling Zachary Quintano there that he's participated in this. And he had ribbons, like military ribbons. Yeah. But he had like stars and he had like like a bronze star and all this other shit. Good for him. Well, Well, yeah. He had like a Pegasus that was supposed to be a ribbon. 
So from his time traveling he, events, he got a he, Pegasus award. He was he was part of the the, Peg, the Pegasus program. At, or yeah, something. I was like looking at his 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 fruit salads. I like I like. Uh, I'm you like, know, I didn't know. Like, that. you were talking about trunks and stuff, and like in my head, I'm going, dude, dude, did you climb in the trunk and then go back to 1930s, yes. or like go forward into you well, know 2010? And they then- they even had a thing. Speaking of going back in time, Liverpool has all these people experience what they're calling a time slip, where they're just walking down the street of Liverpool and they're flash back to like the 1800s, what? and it just lasts for like a minute. And then they're right back to where they were and they're all disoriented. And what they think is happening is the underground in Liverpool is creating like an electromagnetic field, which is interacting. And like people are walking into this thing because of the subway constantly Mm -hmm. spinning around underneath Liverpool. If you hit it just right, you fall into this vortex. I think that's cool because you don't have to sign a waiver for right. it. No waivers, no, no nothing. waivers, no nothing. It's like you're responsible for your own security if you time travel back to the 1920s. Yes, there you go. That's exactly like you just have happening. to know what's going on. You got to be prepared that you may find yourself back in time. We're going to Liverpool, dude. We, we definitely we're going to do a podcast from Liverpool. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> go fund me. <laughs> yeah, go fund. We should, dude. That freaking FBI guy who got fired. Has like the one that did the backflip. Yeah, he did like no, not that guy. The the the, the Trump one. He got like five hundred thousand dollars. Go fund me for getting fired. Oh, we could totally do this. Yeah, we could totally do a time travel friggin' podcast episode in Liverpool. Go fund me. Go fund me. What do you guys think, man? What's your donations gonna be? How much are, uh, will you send us to friggin' the UK? <laughs> then we could stop at friggin' AI and do a podcast from AI. <laughs> two birds, two, one stone. Two birds, one stone. You want to go fund me to Liverpool in the UK? Get on it. Send it. We're going to try to time travel and walk down Bold Street. So, all righty, man. You got Frank from Sniper's Hide. And Mike from Mile High Shooting. And this is the Everyday Sniper. Thank you guys for tuning in. This we're is part two. Part two. We're, uh, we're here Saturday morning. Yep, yep. Enjoying some coffee and enjoying each other's company and obviously uh, bringing you guys some information that's uh, that's well needed. Yeah, so let's talk the class. I did a little bit of my perspective, but I wanted to get together with you because you you're able, especially early on, to see everybody. Once we're on the line, we're all working. It's it's going to town. But you have a different way of interacting and with doing stuff. So I wanted to get your perspective, what you saw, and and your takeaways from the class because okay. I, I think it's a good way of doing it. Um, sure. And if this is information that you guys heard in a previous one post class or something like that, I'm just catching up. I think I'm only on episode 50 myself. So, um, <laughs> there you go, right? um, but, uh, I may say some stuff that you may have already said. So we'll just, yeah, we're, that's we're fine. Just, we're just so walking into it, I get, to, I get to see a lot of these guys, you know, talk to them on the phone and everything mm-hmm. prior to class and kind of get them the, their situation straight when it comes to equipment. Well, cause they're signing up through mile high. They're signing up through mile high and they're also sending their ammunition to us. Mm-hmm. And that way I can bring it all out to the range. Got, we just had a guy contact me for October's class. He lives in California and he can't get ammo delivered now. Mm-hmm. Dude, just either get it through mile high or order it through prime and tell prime you're going to ship it either to me or mile high. Um, Prime's got my contact stuff because he wanted Prime. Yeah. And um, but you, we can take your ammo. We can take it. We can put it in a big pile, and then I bring it all out when yep. the class starts. Put it so in the I get to talk to these guys on the phone. I get to see them the day prior of any last you know last minute stuff that they need or anything that they're like, hey Mike, what do you think I should bring? And I just kind of go off of memory and go, well, I think you need this. I think you need this. But I mean, if you have everything that's on the list, 
of what you get, like when uh, when yeah, the flyer the comes out. out. Yeah, we when the flyer emails. comes out. Uh, just get everything on that list. We're not doing a ton of positional stuff. And no, every this now and then, a competition it's, it's kind of when we get to it. If there's, you know, if everybody is on the same page and everybody's shooting the same way and we get to that portion, yeah, we'll cover a little bit of it to kind of fill in the white space. But when it comes down to it, this is a fundamentals class. Yeah, this isn't competition train up. This isn't, uh, you know, advanced whatever. This is fundamentals to give to. So you walk away with a foundation so then you can move forward into any discipline you want to explore. Yeah, and even just we're we're constantly evolving this. And even between, you know, the 5 minute break that we took from the last episode coming into this episode, we made up something else that we want to introduce as well to get you guys on the same page. I'm printing stuff out. I'm printing materials out cuz now this is getting to be a much bigger deal. And so now I'm starting to look at like the ballistic um the ballistic calculator page I did for Impact Data Book. Okay, we got that. Well, I just did my eval checklist so I can hand you an eval checklist. So instead of me just writing it down in my notepad, you having to walk up to me after and say, what did I do? I'm now going to give it to you like a, like a, a receipt. Yep. And then I run down, grab the target. Right. And then bring it back up from your fundamental eval so you can look at your target shooter number and go, okay, I understand what he was saying and this is what I need to change. Yes. And, and so now I was just talking to Mike about doing another handout for people so that they have a hard copy because I want to load you with as much information as possible. And, and like I said, there's different disciplines of precision rifle. Okay. There, there's guys who go to a competition train up and they want to learn how to negotiate stages. I get that. That's not what we do. We're doing fundamentals and basics. We do touch on it a little bit depending on the class dynamic. We're breeding, we're breeding marksmen. Yeah. Every class is slightly different. So the dynamic changes. We may get to something with one class. We don't get to another class. So, yeah. So yeah, and, and it's based off of basically the, the everybody who is coming to the course, what their level of knowledge is. And we and have a lot of stuff that we can pull out of our backpack of life and go, okay, here's an experience that I want you to experience before you move on to your, your next shoot or mm-hmm. something like that. So coming into it, you know, being able to talk to these guys, bringing out equipment for them on the first day. Um, getting the classroom set up. I don't know if you talked about the, the TV. The TV oh, or no, I didn't. Re- I mentioned so, it a little bit. You can tell legal so, laugh about it. <laughs> we have a, a, we had a TV that we were using because it, it was working better than the projector. Right. So it had good color on it and people in the back could see it and everything like that. Frank got out there and he's texting me and he's, and he's cursing and everything because the TV had fell off the desk and busted like and a shattered table. it. It yeah. was like an eight foot table and it was on the ground. I couldn't find the TV. I'm like, I opened the door and I'm like, where's the TV? It was gone. And then as I walked in the back of the Connex, it was on the ground shattered. So now we have nothing to put our, our PowerPoint on. Right. So then he goes, you go onto Amazon mm-hmm. and you're like, dude, I'm getting a projector screen. It's going to be badass. We'll have it in there all the time. It's great. He gets the projector, sets it up. It's too big for the Connex. The screen is bigger than the Connex. So it's like the it's like the projector that you watch outside with your kids, like yeah. invite all the neighbors over. But it was over. still the same old school. List. Yeah, it, it, was, it looked identical. But it was from just, your social studies teacher. Yes, it pulled was it down from the ceiling. You know, just it was gigantic. This thing was huge, and I was like, and it's sitting in there, cattywampus. Yes. So from corner to corner, it's bad. like he was he was pretty bent out of shape about that. But we made it work. We threw the projector on it. We narrowed it down and everything, so you could still it has see the it. Skew. The yeah. projector has those skew things to change the the, the angle. Mm-hmm. So I was able able to skew it straight because the screen was crooked right 
So, um, and then we also had the whiteboard up there, which was great. We were going to draw on mm-hmm. stuff and draw out the reticles and talk about, you know, the formulas. The reticle overlays work pretty good. I don't know how well you could see them. They do. And I actually uh, was talking with a rep from Night Force and they're going to start sending us, uh, hopefully, I'm not going to say they're going to start doing this. I, I put in a request for it and we'll see if it happens. It's more of a marketing tool than anything. But I asked for discs. Yes. With, that are clear. Mm-hmm. So instead of having a flimsy piece of paper, we have a plastic disc with a reticle on it that we can move around on the screen. Right, right. So, and even, you know, when somebody comes into the shop, I can draw something on a piece of paper and slap that disc on it and say, okay, this is what we're looking at, why this reticle works this way. Honestly, the more manufacturer support we get for classes like Kestrel making available their training material now. If Night Force was able to get us reticle overlays and things like that, an MOA and a mill one. When you get rep support for classes, it really, really helps. So if you're a manufacturer out there, if you want your product in front of people, make training aids that we can then use in, in, you know, we'll say, hey, this is a Night Force reticle. This is a Millar. This is a Comp C. This is this. this Yeah, this is a Vortex EBR2C. Yes. Like people are using all these different reticles. The more that we can get, the better off we're going to be. Exactly. And teach them how to actually use those reticles properly so that they can engage these targets. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So um, we had the PowerPoint portion. And I'm not really involved in the PowerPoint portion. I just kind of run around and make sure that the range looks good, which Frank is able to do the day before because I can't get out there. So he's out there spraying targets. I went out snake hunting for a little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. came back, and I was like, all and right, what's like going on? The, the black ones on the side you had to put up. Why they got to be black? Hey, um, it, it just the, is. The, the black targets on the side uh, you had to put up. They were sniper gray. Sniper gray. They yeah. are sniper gray. Um, yeah, so I ran her and then I had to chase the cows out. Mm-hmm. And Big time. So I'm just do, kind of doing a maintenance portion of it in the first, you know, first half of the day where I'm running around going, okay, what do you need? Okay, you don't, okay, you yeah, need this, I'm, do this. I'm completely going to retweak the PowerPoint. I'm going to boil the six hour <laughs> one down to four hours. I'm going to, which clean I it think up. you did a good job on this last one because I was, I was like, on the first time that we did this together, we were doing. We did the long one. We did eight hours. I felt like eight hours of PowerPoint because six, there yeah. were a lot of questions. So we do get hung up on stuff, and people want to hear stories and you know everything like that. So I'm like, okay, well, what else can I do? What else can I do? What else can I do? And I'm like, we're getting to the afternoon portion where you know we haven't even we fired the humbler and we haven't got any dope out to 800 yards. Right. And that was the first class, and now it's been kind of. Tone down a little the bit. The second we've, time we got we've taken this material out. You don't need this shit. We're going to take this out. We're going to take this out. This is what you need to know right now. And if we need to expand on that, let's just do it on the line. Right. right. So we were able to actually get out on the range uh, relatively early this time. And it was probably after lunch where we were doing full-fledged shooting groups. Um, yes. and A little extra time at 100. A little extra time at 100. We and probably, then we, do, we dope everybody at 8. So yeah. But we zeroed. We I want to say we zeroed and tightened up groups uh, for at least like five or six evolutions. Mm-hmm. Well, and here's a question. How many people ask us if we're going to zero? Uh, everyone. Like, yeah. well, dude, we, of course we're going to zero. Yeah, it's we like, have to make your group perfect yeah, so that we can actually get this dope. I couldn't believe how many qu- people are like, are we going to zero? I'm not zeroed. Are we going to zero? I'm gonna, of course we are. We're going through this stuff and we're going to do the PowerPoint. But then after, we're going to shoot at 100 yards for a minimum of an hour, sometimes two. I want you guys to think of it as you're stepping up to the plate at the range for the first time when you go home. Yeah, and, and, and think of this process, okay? I want you to get reps at 100, five-shot groups and get reps in. 
We're going to change your position. We're going to fix your fundamentals. We're going to calm you down. Right. We're going to constantly be tweaking you. So let's say you, let's say you did six reps at a hundred yards, five shots each. Well, by the end, you are going to be zero. Your turrets are going to be reset to zero, zero, but it's a process because they're all like, are we going to zero at a hundred? Are we going to zero at a hundred? Like, yes. Why would you think we wouldn't? (laughs) And then we gave them a hug, rubbed some shoulders and everybody was happy. Got some water in them and then we were off to the range. Right. So, uh, and the the good thing about kind of where we're at, we don't do a classroom in a classroom at a hotel somewhere. We're, our classroom is literally 20 yards from the range. On the range. So, and it's protected, you know, it's in a connex. So we have tables, chairs, you can get relatively comfortable. They're not article 15 chairs, you know, where yeah. you fall asleep in them and then yeah. they're, they're relatively comfortable. Um, but you're able to, you know, write down your notes on the desk and everything like that. So anyways, getting out to the range uh, and getting folks zeroed, it's always it's always fun to me because we're looking at, you know, at the beginning of the day, you may, or ha- you may have one or two shooters who are already shooting maybe half inch groups. Yes. And, and, they've, and they've overcome that with the fundamentals that they, they brought to the course. Yep. Like Dave. Dave's a great shooter. Dave man. is a great shooter. Dave is a PRS shooter. Right. And, and, you know, he's coming to the course and getting look, refresher and different things and trying to trying to fine-tune some of his he processing. He had a shoulder surgery, so he'd taken like a whole year off. And he was like, I need to get back into it, but I want to start fresh. I want to get my uh, my career back on track when it comes to this stuff. Right. And he came, he came to the class prepared, mentally there, ready to shoot. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, he... Hopefully he liked the target package that we had. I don't think anybody complained about that. Nope. We have a fairly good, you know, we have a, a good cross between uh, MOA targets and like two and MOA distance. and distance. We have a very good distance. And uh, most of the shooters, I think all of the shooters we were able to get out to 1425 or at least, you know, get them out there trying to take we a We tried it. A couple of guys topped out um, elevation wise. We had an RPR that couldn't, had a holdover. Um, so I, my side of the line, I stopped a few guys at about um, the 1125. They wanted pokes at the farther. I let them do it after, but I stopped them around 1125 because that's right around where their scopes maxed out. Yeah. We had 338. We had 300 wind mag. We had 308, 647. We had a couple of 65s. Yep. So we had basically when I look at it like that, kind of going back to the last episode, we had our, our – or work cut out for us when it comes to wind calls because typically on the first day before we actually give you hard data when it comes to wind, we try to get you on target because we want you to get a true distance. Yeah, we do the so, 800. So yeah. We'll talk about that target. How good is that working out? So we've kind of messed with the colors on that target yeah. so that we can actually get uh, a good visual on it because you have a, a, a two-tenth bar that goes across the silhouette. Now, the silhouette's a full-size silhouette, but the bar extends on either side. So, if you do miss your wind call... You can still catch the bar. We can still catch the bar. So... Because it's 800 yards. Yeah. So, we're able to give you those fine-tuned adjustments so that you can punch that into your system. Yeah. So, we go from 100 yards, and a lot of the guys that were shooting the course and a lot of 308s, they haven't shot outside of 200 yards at this point. Yeah, so, we we're going straight guys. from 100 to 800 yards. Yep. And everybody hits it. Yeah, first day. We don't let you. We don't let you leave until you hit that freaking well, bar. You got homework. Here's the deal. I want you to go back to your hotel. Number one, you, you, you know these guys are staying at a hotel. 
They're out of town, a lot of them. They're, they're not going home. There's a liquor store close there's by. There's a liquor so, store. Yeah, there's so. restaurants. They went to the steakhouse, you know, the different stuff. Well, I'm giving them homework. Here's your drop at 800 yards. Go put it in something like JBM, line up your drop, and just get tri-dope for us. So at least you have a number to see so we're not struggling. Like, I'll give you a generic number. I have I have rules of thumbs that I use per 100 yards, whether it's 8 tenths for a 6.5, 1 mil for a 308, and so on. So I can kind of say, okay, try this. All right, you're high, come down. But now if we get you on 800 and you're on that chewing bar, okay, you got uh, 6.2 to 800. Mm -hmm. Go put that in your calculator and write those numbers down and show up tomorrow with them. So I'm with giving you- With your tri-dope. Right, with your tri-dope. And I'm giving you homework because 800 is that happy spot from 1,000 and in to give you that tri-dope. And if you line up JBM, JBM is so good because it doesn't have flourishes- Go put that number into JBM, go do the tri-dope. And here's a question that's coming up and, and I'm going to give my philosophy on it. We didn't chronograph anybody this time. We didn't. No. And I really like that. It, well, but, and but they go don't. Ahead. Oh. Well, they don't. And everybody wants to chronograph, chronograph, chronograph. It's like, well, let's just do it off our drop because software is going to change your shit anyway. Mm -hmm. Depending on the software you're using. So why... It takes a while to put the magneto speed on. Now, we do have time and we can, and I'm looking at how to do that with the- We need um, a gopher. We, yeah, we need a gopher, and we're probably going to do a gopher. But it's, let's just say, well, like maybe during the fundamental eval, when you're shooter one, you'll go over and chronograph. I'm thinking of how to, how to kind of accomplish this quicker, but the software's changing that number. And we're really not using that number anymore. Now there's Traceall, there's JBM where you would put true data in, but you can get away without doing it thanks to software because we take 6.2 mils and we're working it back and we're filling in an actual number that lines that up. Doing some Chinese engineering. Yeah, we're doing a little bit backwards math and we don't need the chronograph. You know, back if we weren't doing software to this degree or if that software didn't manipulate our numbers to the degree that it does and everybody's using a different kind of software, I would say, okay, we're all using Traceall, we're going to chronograph, but we're not. So it becomes a case of chronographing will help you, but not help you. So we're playing right. the majority and we're trying to play the time. Yeah, majority, yeah, majority rules at that point. And you're exactly right. Why do you need to – we can get you close enough and give you a correction. Yeah. And then you put it into your system and it changes your, your uh, velocity anyways. Yeah. I so, mean, if you go and say, okay, I'm this to 1,000, I go, okay, you're 2,650. Put that in there. Oh, it changed it to 2,675. Okay, you're Use good. it. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, it's like, okay, you got this. So you're, you're 6.5 shooting 140s out of an RPR. Okay, you're 2,720. Oh, it's 2,740. Okay, cool. Put it sure. in. You know, we're that close to knowing these numbers, which is why... We're not kind of chronograph. Now, I told everybody, if you want to, chronograph's right there. You can take your own time away from the rest and go do it because it is a process. Right. And, and, and a few guys wanted to, and we made it available. And I did see one of the chronographs were out. So somebody had to have used them. Yeah, somebody, yeah, they were I, using they, them. Either Dave or Josh, I think, yeah. used it. They just but, wanted to check and see what was going on. And we're good with it. We got them. They're yeah, there on the line. Um, so at the end of the first day, um, from the instructor side, the range is probably about an hour and a half away from the actual shop itself at Mile High. 
and there wasn't a day that like normally like I try to maybe stay out there one night and I haven't been able to do it. I no, try to do it. Run back. Well, I got to run back to the shop. So when our day ends at four o'clock or four thirty or whenever four thirty five, we were yeah. five every day. So I got to drive another hour and a half to go get stuff from the shop. To yeah. um, we had a barrel that got shot out in the middle of the course. Yeah, three hundred. Uh, the after or the late morning on the second day, a three hundred wind mag barrel went south. So we had that happen. We had a guy who needed a kestrel. We had a guy that needed. We had a bunch of podlocks yeah. that we needed. I should have just. Grabbed a handful of them the night yeah, before. Yeah, I brought some. You know? um, Tom had one, and then I took his and replaced it with the two I had left. Yep. We had um, a lot of guys who wanted rear bags. Yep. A lot so of rear bags. I ran stuff. back. I grabbed a, a couple of guys who wanted shooting mats, mm-hmm. so I had to go back and grab those. And it's not a big deal. I'm not saying I had to. I was just like, you know, I'll go get these well, guys Well, that was situated. a shopping list. You, yeah. had a, you have a shopping Every list. Every night I had a shopping list, yes. and I went back to the store. Twice, got what Friday I needed. and Saturday. Okay. And came back out the next morning and we got everything fixed up. Now, the really, the the nice thing about the guy who needed the 300 Win Mag barrel, Scott, um, his barrel was shot out. And we were looking at it. I was like, dude, he's just like a non-shooting fuck. What's going on here? Yeah. Right? And then he had it like was, a good group and yeah. then it went soft. And then it just, all of a sudden it was done. So he's like, hey, man, can you get behind my gun and shoot? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I got behind it and it did the exact same thing. Identical. Identical. Pattern. And it was probably shooting like three, almost four inches. Yes. And I it was would, like, it, it put two shots touching, go two inches away, two shots touching, go two inches away, one shot. I was like, well, maybe I'm just a non-shooting fuck. I don't know. Yeah. So, um, I was able to go back to the shop. We had a barrel for 300 wind mag mm-hmm. that I pulled right off the shelf, brought it back up. Cause he was using an AI. Yep. Brought it up that next morning. Um, he wanted to use his Thunder Beast suppressor. But I didn't have anybody to time a break on that barrel for me. Right. So I grabbed a Thunder Beast suppressor from the uh, from our demo unit. Direct thread. Yeah, direct thread. Brought him a 300 Win Mag barrel, 26 you inches, 5 inch, 24. You brought him a, a change kit because it's an MC. Yeah, I brought him a change <laughs> kit. For, so he's shooting a 300 Win Mag MC. So I was like, well, maybe he wants to shoot a 308. So I brought a 308 change kit. With a, a case of ammo. Yep, and barrel. And a barrel because I didn't know if he wanted to buy ammo or if he wanted to buy a barrel. He's like, you have a choice at this point. I just don't want the class to end for you. Think about this options, man. So I brought, I bring out the smorgasbord of AI. options, <laughs> yeah. right? I'm like, dude, I got you hooked up. And he goes, dude, I got a left-handed gun. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. Well, they don't make the change-out kits for left-handed yet. Well, they're trying, but they haven't brought them to market. Right, right. So I'm like, well, it looks like you're buying a 300 Win Mag barrel if you want to shoot. And <laughs> yeah. he was totally cool with it. Um, we got it all set up. We put our suppressor back onto it. We got them zeroed in three shots. Mm-hmm. And it was everything was touching where it was supposed to be. So, you know, we, we hammered out the conclusion. It was the barrel that got shot out. He shot for the rest of the day and was just freaking drilling everything Lights that he out. needed. Everything that he needed to do, he was doing perfectly. Yeah. So we had a we had uh, good stuff with that. We had a savage that the rail didn't want to stay on the gun. Yeah, I didn't mention the name, but yeah, it was a savage. Yeah. You know, every time we have a savage in class, we wrench on them. It, it, honestly, I know you guys like them. I know you guys. Oh, my savage is great. They're not. I, I hate to tell you, QC on them is not what they should be. It's like Remington now. Remington, you don't want Remington. You don't want Savage if you can help it. I mean, Savage has some better stuff, but when you get the dang thing, you're almost better taking it apart. Putting it back together and Loctite and everything you're supposed to because they don't. 
and then moving forward from there. So you really kind of want to wrench on it a bit. Now, there's been RPRs that are the same way. Take the barrel off, put it back together tight. It's, it's you know, Monday, Friday gun. Sure. But, um, yeah, we did had to, We had to crowdsource some Loctite. Yeah, well, what I think, think it, like, it's been going over my mind. Because, I mean, three times to change a rail. Mm-hmm. In 75 rounds, it's loose again. We torqued it. We used a Bork tool. We torqued it. And it came loose. I think the holes were oversized, and I almost wonder, because I didn't do it, I gave it to, to uh, Lee to do it, I almost wonder if he had 648s instead of 840s, mm-hmm. and he was putting 648s with that rail in. I don't know what the case was, but I can tell But we've you, been talking about it for days, like, yes. why is it doing that? Right. So, Lee, if you're listening, bring your gun into the shop, let's check that. But I, I just don't know why they kept loosening up and... and to the point where 75 rounds into a torque down rail and it was big time loose. So I had the opportunity to shoot a Maverick 41. Yeah, nice. So I that was that. super cool. He brought out his Maverick 41, the limited edition AI that's an AW and an AX chassis. And uh, a lot of guys don't know this because it's an AW. It's not a CIP length cartridge. It's a 250. Okay. So he had ammo bought from an online retailer that was supposed to ship to our shop. Mm-hmm. They shipped two boxes. Not two cases? They shipped two boxes, and then the rest of it was on back order. Oh. So he had two boxes of ammo to show up to the first day. Ouch. So ran back to the shop, right? Case of 338. I grabbed two cases of Lapua 250s, brought them out there. Once we had everything dialed in, on target, no problem. Yep. Then the ammo came in actually the next day of class mm-hmm. at the shop. So I got a phone call. Hey, so what, like what do you Friday? want me to do with these, you know, three cases of 338 ammo? So we got it all worked out and we got it shipped back. Luckily enough, he buys enough stuff from this online retailer that they were like, yeah, we'll go ahead and uh, do, mm-hmm. a, do a shipping label. And they sent it back and he got that all hammered out. I don't know the details of it, but it's gone. So um, he was, he was uh, happy. You know, with it with the results, right? Because on the third day is where he was putting everything together, and dude, the guy couldn't miss. Yeah, nice. And that's kind of what we're looking at. We're we're, we're in in we we let you make your own wind calls on the third day because on the that first when we're doping out, Mike and I are helping. But you know, we're explaining what we're doing, and we're hoping people are writing this down. You never you tell people make sure you write that down, make sure you do this. You never know because you're not looking over your shoulder. You're trying to kind of go a bit assembly line to the next guy. But, I mean, the wing classes, we did two blocks. Actually, you did an extra one for your side. But we did two full blocks of wind out on the range. And then the, the little bit we talked about the wind in the classroom when we talk about the zones and everything. So they got three blocks of wind instruction. And it, I think it paid off. When we, it, it, was, it did. And when we talk about this stuff on the podcast and we talk about it, you know, person to person, it's not the same as us ha- being on the range, looking at the conditions, yeah, and going, okay, they were tough, man. They were not. We're easy talking conditions. sixteen miles an hour. Yes, easily, consistently, and switching throughout the course. Yes, and switching from we got a, a, a tailwind, we got a headwind, and we got a ninety degree coming in, and then sometimes at seven. I, I'll, I'll tell you what. When when I on Monday, I came back out to the range on Monday to. Shoot. I don't know how you did that. Yeah, dude. I, was I was smoked. smoked. <laughs> so Monday, I came out to shoot with that girl, Sierra. And with the the winds were similar, but down they were like eight to twelve, and not the sixteen. But with that, they, she still had the same wind change direction. It was still coming kind of behind us. That's why I really like that range. Honestly. Yes, and when we shot 
like when you're shooting out straight out, it's kind of like this 730, 8 o'clock wind. Well, when we got to the 1500 in the mile, it's now because you're off on that angle. It was mm -hmm. almost coming straight on with it. Yeah. So you're looking at if you're looking at direction of fire, 12 o'clock to edge of plate. Right. So you're looking mm -hmm. at 12 o'clock to our normal range targets out to almost a thousand yards is 12 o'clock direction of fire. Now to get to that mile target, you have to go to the 132 o'clock mm -hmm. of that direction of fire. So you got to shift your whole body, shift your whole gun. And now the wind is a different right. direction. So think of a 730 to 230. You know what I mean? So now they're in line with each other and um, that it, 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 you could see it. That's why her and I, I was able, she used my 18 inch 6.5 Creed and I had her fourth round, she shot and hit at a mile because the wind helped her. It was just edge of plate. And there was actually a couple times when it kind of came more behind us. She had a right edge of plate hold because it switched. So it was just fishtailing yeah, behind you. Yeah, it switched sides of the plate. So that's stuff you have to look at. But yeah, so talk about um, what, what, what you did with the wind target because you did it twice. Um, we did do it more than once together, but you did it twice on your own. Uh, which for on what the part? first day on the on, first on day Saturday Saturday you went to the wind target before I did yeah we went to the wind target and uh, we put the wind target at six seventy five so that it's actually it's one mil of Wide. hold on right. your scope so after teaching the wind course I wanted these guys to shoot out to six seventy five at the wind target to confirm their wind mm -hmm. and then again backwards engineer it bring you back down to four hundred yards. And how does that translate? Because everybody always talks about going forward out to distance and adding a little bit more, adding a little bit more. I wanted them to take something off. So getting to that point where it was, okay, we're hitting the, we're hitting the blue, we're hitting the red, send another, you know, send a mm -hmm. correction down. And now tell me how fast the wind is blowing down there. Yeah. And now come backwards and try it again. And of course, you know, it was holding too much wind holding too much wind, holding too much wind. And after the third person, I'm like, you guys see the, you guys see what's going on here, right? right? There's a pattern developing. Yeah, there, there is something going on, hold a little bit less wind. So we got to, you know, get that understanding that it's not just going out, it's coming back. Mm -hmm. Because all your targets may not be, you know, 500, 600, Time of 700. flight. You got to think of the distance as time of flight. Right. When you're out there at 675, you have one time of flight. At 400, you have a much less time of flight. So the wind doesn't have the time to work on it. So you would reduce your wind call. Right. And, and now going back to that classroom portion and the thoughts in my head, I'm going, okay, you guys that are doing this at home that aren't coming out for a course, you're getting words, right? And you're going into your ballistic software and you're getting lost. And everybody, there was a few people that were lost on the range. So it was easy for us to go, okay, come up here and let me see your ballistic table. Yeah. And then walk them through it. This is why this. Well, how come it doesn't say this? And how come I'm not, I, I want to look at this number and why does this not line up? Stop thinking about these extra numbers. Stop doing it to yourself. Yeah. I want you to look at these two numbers and match them up. Distance, miles per hour. So once all the light bulbs started coming on, I was like, all right, you guys are responsible for your own win. Let's get out there and hit some targets. Yeah. And we ran uh, drills on my side. I wouldn't give my guys more than three shots because of the mantra, right? Mm -hmm. If If I gave them... You know, I got 10 rounds. I want you to jam your mag full of 10 rounds. We're going to five targets. If you miss this target three times, you're moving on with the rest of the group. If you hit it on the first time, stop. We're going to the next shooter. So we would do that all the way down the line. Yep. And I would give you three opportunities. And if you missed it, we'd move on to the next distance. 
Yeah. Right. So yeah. it would just get increasingly harder for you. But all these guys that are hitting it the first time, the wind is switched because now you've had six shooters shoot after you. You're going to the next, the next target, mm-hmm. and the wind is different. Right. So it may have died off. It, you may it, get lucky. It changed every yard line we went to. We would have a different set of wind. So I gave my guys, uh, you know, kind of a culmination exercise of wind and distance was, okay, you have 10 shots to go from 200 yards to 1,000 yards. Mm-hmm. How you use them how, yeah, is up it, to you. Really up you to can't you. go more than three. And this. I'm not going to go shooter one, shooter two, shooter three. Shooter one, you have 10 shots. Whatever amount of time it takes for you to make these 10 shots, I want you to take them. But if you keep missing, you stay at that yardage. Right. So it went from two, three, four, winds picking up, a lull in the firefight, good wind call, five, six, seven. And it was first round impact, first round impact, first round impact, miss, correction, second round impact, first round impact. And there was... Two, uh, there were two guys on my side that cleaned it and had a shoot off. Nice. So, so we had a shoot off out, and I let them pick the distance. I was like, we got a three thirty eight versus six mil forty seven. <laughs> so they were like, oh, we're going all the way fourteen twenty five, baby, right? And I was like, all right, yeah, I'm just gonna call 40, it, man. I'm, yeah, I'm <laughs> just gonna call it. And we're talking the wind kicked up at this point. I was gonna say, even the minor wind changes were wider than the targets, right? And it was. I want to say by the time we were getting or shooting, when we had our shoot off going and when it started, I want to say the minimum was 16 miles per hour and it was kicking up to 19 to 20 miles an hour. Yes, easily. So I was like, all right, here we go, guys. And Josh got behind his 338, Dave got behind his six and they were like, all right, here we go. And it was one for one, one for one, one for one. And Dave finally got a hit. And I think we were maybe three or four rounds into it. Got a hit, fourteen twenty-five. Mm-hmm. So um, just because the three thirty-eight shot first didn't mean he couldn't respond. Right, right. Right. So I was like, "You have an opportunity to make or break this shot, dude. It's up to you." And he he missed that one, and it was like, "Ah, oh, the six beat the three thirty-eight, but it was a shoot off of skill, wind calling, and you know, yeah, like they were both really good guns. One's a custom gun, one's an AI. Yep. You know, they were both." Using, I think, uh, Dave, I think he had a Collis and Josh had a Schmidt. Yeah. yeah, So, I mean, it it was a lot of equal stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, one had factory Lapua ammo, which is really good. The other one. 250 uh, Cnars are awesome. The other one was, I I think he hand loaded all of his stuff. Yeah, he did. He was fire forming while he was there. That's right. He was 647 and he was shooting uh, the mile because he was fire forming his brass and was. And he got on in a mile. Yeah, he did. So, it brought everything together and that's, you know, we had a lot of fun on our side when it came to that. So like just a couple of exercises, Hey, we're going to shoot the pie plates. Hey, we're going to shoot this. And then I'm gonna give you X amount of rounds to do this. And then if you miss, you're out, Mm -hmm. you know, so it gave you an opportunity to kind of collect your thoughts and go, okay, let me get back on the gun. Let me figure this out. Uh, Eddie was a freaking hammer. Eddie was on it, man. And he kept every time James would shoot and whack something first round hit with that hunting rifle, Eddie would get up and look at me and be like, fucking hunting rifle he's making all faces and over the top and he was yeah. doing stuff and that was a 270 hunting 270 rifle. hunting rifle with uh hornaday uh precision hunter ammo and and i only gave him three rounds the entire time so it didn't heat up yeah but every he first round whack something and eddie like his head would come up like because they're right dog. next to each other yes they were right next to each other he'd be like what the so hell? that was the cutoff your last guy was uh james was james and, and, and your my first, first guy, guy was eddie. eddie yeah yeah so that was funny to watch those guys and then 
uh, Chet was on it too. Chet was on it, and we raised Chet up. Chet's a bigger guy. Gave him a, I gave, I brought a nine to thirteen bipod for him, mm-hmm. and he went up higher, stacked himself up a little bit, and he said it was ten times more comfortable. And both for him. of those guys were shooting three hundred eights. Three hundred eights, and yep. they were drilling them. We, they were getting first round impacts at a thousand. Yep. I mean, it was just, it, it was really cool to watch. And uh, Eddie and I had a dialogue going because Eddie was funny as hell. Eddie, dude. that dude's funny. Probably like. If I have a top five people that have come to class, Eddie is right there in yeah, the top five. Yeah, he's in it. He's in it. And uh, but we had an MOA mill, you know, back yes, in the he and was he off, was, right. He, well, he was using well, MOA. He was, he's using MOA. Uh, second focal plane night force. And here's and here's the funny thing to it is he had emailed me prior to this course when we were talking about a lot of wind stuff, you know, and he mm-hmm. was like, I'm like, I gotta figure out a way to, you know, translate. for me to translate mills into MOA. So he sends me this whole formula. He's like, you know, something to chew on. So I was like, "Yeah, I'm not doing that." So Three I gave it to I gave it to Braden and Dan to figure out and have them make <laughs> me a, an arm board for it, so I could call I can help call his wind in MOA. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I didn't know that he was that good of a shooter to begin with. Right, right. I was like, I might need something as a tool to help him get onto target, or at least translate. Okay, I need mills to MOA, and I'm not busting out my phone to do the calculator stuff. So I was like, okay, what am I going to do? Well, I'm talking to him, and we're like having this mill MOA discussion. And he's like, well, I like MOA because, again, I think in inches, yeah, right? Yeah, it's yeah. the inches versus uh, uh, versus centimeters or whatever. And it was funny because he was calculating. He has it all figured out. Mm-hmm. And he tried to explain it to me. And I was like, dude, my brain doesn't work like that. You have to – I have to shoot it to understand it. But he is doing the conversions in his head – from mills to MOA, three point four three. He's got it on the line. He's got it worked out. Yeah, like half mill is one point seven five. I I do uh, one MOA per quarter mill. So he's doing it. He's translating it back and forth, and we're talking back and forth. I'm like, dude, just get a fucking mill scope. Then you don't have to do any of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just yeah. make it easy on everyone. But it was just it was fun to watch and and learn from him too. You know, I was like, dude, this guy's got it. This guy's got it together. Yeah. yeah. So no, I really appreciated him showing you up got to the course. Outside? Yeah, man, they're building a whole new neighborhood next door. I got to get out of this place, dude. They're like loud. So yeah, that, no, that's it, it. It worked out really good. And like I said, we're we're in a different zone. Every class has its own dynamic. We're doing our homework. They're doing their homework. We're trying to make sure that everything's going on. Yeah, and, and our our day doesn't start. At eight o'clock, when everyone shows up, no, our man, day typically starts at about six, maybe five thirty. Yeah, and then our day ends at seven o'clock, seven. eight o'clock at night. Seven is when I get home, and by the time you shower up, eat, clean up, do the whole thing, and then you're thinking about what you're going to do tomorrow, right? But leading up to the course, we're talking another. You know, we invested the day before, where you have eight hours invested to the day before, mm-hmm. and then the day before that, and we have just kind of like a, a mental checklist, and then we have an idea of what everybody's going to be bringing to the course. And maybe we should put that on a checklist so that we can mentally prepare for what they have, you know, whether it's MOA, uh, caliber and stuff like that. But there's a lot of homework to be done on our side because one, I don't like looking foolish when we, when (laughs) I get out there, you know, I want to give them a good show. I want to get them their money's worth of everything that they paid for and have a good time doing it and spend that time with them because it, it really is that we want to instill that passion into them that this is, this is a fun thing to do and it's a fun thing to do with your family. I think we, we create guys who are addicted when they leave. Yeah. I don't think we have anybody who's, you know, like, oh, it's okay. 
They're, they're, yeah, we're close. Um, it's okay. They're, they're, you know, they're more addicted. Like now this is fun. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not struggling. Now I understand where, how to get the hit. And, and that, that helps them out. I mean, the bitches with the savage man coming loose. We don't know now coming back at what point his dope is off. Yeah, there's he almost three has different numbers. Over. There's right. three different numbers for everything because your scope's moving around every time you pull the trigger. Well, and, and a good ex- here's here's a good example for you guys to understand this. When his scope loosened up, we had a target at um, it was uh, four hundred and change. We were shooting one of the black targets on the side at four hundred and change. Couldn't hit it. Couldn't hit it. Everything said six m away. I got on the gun. I needed 10 MOA to hit it. And you called me down there. Yeah. And when then we saw that the, the rail was loose the second time, and when we tightened it all down, it went back to six. And you figured it out quick because you were like, hey, stop what you're doing. Come down here. I need yes, you to I had look to call you to spot. I needed so I a came, spotter who can tell me what was going on. So I came down and I looked at it and I was like, dude, you're three mils low. or th- you Three MOA. Yeah, right. three MOA. And then you need to come up and adjust your windage. And then you hit it on the second shot, even with the scope loose. Yeah. And you were like, you got up and you said, this is not supposed to be like this. And that's where it was like, we recognized the problem or mm-hmm. you recognized the problem. I just gave you a call, you know, just to see where it was at. But you took the correction and you made it and you were like, dude, that math doesn't work. Right. That math that is, is out the window. That doesn't work. That's not supposed to be like and, this. And, and it negates believe the bullet. Right. Believe the bullet. I just hit it. Yeah. No, that math does not work. Yeah. Now I'll distrust the equipment. Right. So then that's when scoop was loose again. Rail was loose. We had to take mount off everything, rail off. Then we went hunting for Loctite and stuff. And it, it's now, I feel bad in a lot of ways. That guy's data, I tried to run him through, which is why we need the gopher. Mm-hmm. Technically, when that happened, we would have had to start him all over from 200 out. Mm-hmm. And that's where that other gopher. So I ran him at the end and, and I'm like to some of the other guys, you guys go shoot what we already shot. Go work on some of your stuff. I'm running him out at a certain point to get him solid numbers again. Right. Because otherwise he's going home with bad data. And, and we that, hate and you, that. And you also have to think about you got 11 other shooters yeah. that are ready to shoot right now. 11, right. So it's like, okay, well, I can take on another five and that's fine. But I can only spot certain places at one time with a fucking 60 power scope. Yeah, yeah. So. It, it, it's, it's you know, have tools for your stuff. Bring everything. Check it before you come. Loctite your bases and, and things like that. Uh, you know, and, and it's really just put on the blue let it set up a little bit and put it in just so it, it's tight. It doesn't have to be glued. It needs to be tight. And, and you know, and that, that was, the, again, it could have been the screws. I, I'm coming back where I think the screws were missized because I've never seen one loosen up that often under that few of rounds. Mm-hmm. That's not a Magnum. I've seen it on Magnums. I've right. seen Mars. shooting a 308. Yeah. I'm shooting a 308. I've seen Mars Rail shoot. What do you have? Off. An 18-inch 308. Yeah, it was a, it was a cop gun. Yep. He, it was 2,400 feet per second 308. He was 2,465. How slow is that? That's pretty slow. That's real slow. But he still did. It was a good gun. It worked. It was accurate. But it just, it's just, it was a cop gun. It was. Oh, a, you know, it just popped in my head too. I want to respond to a comment real quick. I just like okay. fired off in my head because I have let myself slip a few times. Uh there are folks that are listening to this show that have kids that are listening to this I show. I know. I'm sorry, dude. And, yeah. I, and I, I want to say I'm trying my best and I apologize. 
for the cursing and everything like that. We, it is, you know, a parental advisory, of course, on the iTunes and everything, but um, we start getting onto a roll and it's just yeah. the way we and talk. And I swear just and, and I'm trying to habit. I'm trying to make it better and a, and a better learning or a listening experience for everybody. Uh, I do, I'm trying to tone it down and I apologize. <laughs> I, okay? I'm, I'm the one who swears most of the time. But so I've been yeah. trying to watch myself, but I just, I was just, I said it just now with the spotting scope because mm-hmm. I, it's, it's frustrating. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm trying to like use those, uh, sentence enhancers <laughs> so maybe i need to find those you know new those ones. new ones those feelings we need a thesaurus we do so i apologize for that and uh if your kids are listening thanks guys yeah um but uh speaking of which i went to the range yesterday with that uh with that uh valkyrie i put a tabletop projector screen up 50 inch it's small, it's good, it fits, so it's out there now. So I have a new screen for the projector, and we'll move it back into the class and rearrange Every the class is just getting better. Yeah, they are. Well, in, in the hard copy that I'm creating, I'm looking at the repetitive stuff. I'm looking at what gets handed out, and I'm trying to create material for you guys who come to the class to take away... So it's not just a memory, I wrote a note, maybe not correctly... So you actually have hardcore materials. We put effort into the class, you know, and like I said, and we get feedback. Yeah, we do. They they want these guys wanted um, an eval every day. Yeah, we do two right now. We do one in the beginning, one at the end. They want one every day. Yeah, and I'm thinking of doing a, a morning challenge. Yeah, yeah. You know, you want an eval? Okay, well, here's your morning challenge. We're gonna go MOA targets out to 500. Right. You right. know, I mean, just something like that, which get you blood flowing in the morning, get you thinking again, because. Like you're, you're going to get like maybe 50% of the first day, you know, being tired from travel, you're getting all this information jammed into you, you mm-hmm. got a whole new set of numbers. Now we want you to change your shooting style, blah, blah, blah. And it's, it can be a little overwhelming. I want, I want now to get a handyman out there, like a, a you know, John with his pickup truck, mm-hmm. whoever John happens to be, to build some new stuff up. Uh, like stage stuff. Mm-hmm. I I want to um I want like a house simulator thing that I, I have in my in my head planned out. I want to work on those barricades and make them a little bit more solid and not thin. And I want to put out three and I have them in my head three obstacles out there. So maybe we can move them and and do instead of doing the comps from the prone when we're running shooting everybody against each other like we did with the five hundred mm-hmm. where they did the seven best of eight shots I think that we did where we can actually okay working party yeah we can move every we need a working party but I need I need some guys with some woodwork and stuff to come out I want to build a good shooting platform yes you know when it kind of takes away from a few things and I understand this shooting well, at that range the, for a long time is you have an elevated position and you have an on the ground position well I want to move that's why I want to move those barricade and that stuff mm-hmm. over so we can put people closer so we didn't I was calling the, the uh, Lee and John I call them Hawaii because <laughs> yeah, they were off on their they own. They were off like a significant distance I thought, on their own. I thought it was because one of them was from Hawaii. I keep hearing no, you shout Hawaii. Because they were an island the to other themselves. Side, I was like, what is he talking? Is, that, is he from Hawaii? Oahu? Because I kept yelling Hawaii. Hawaii, you ready? Yeah. Because they were an island to themselves because of the way the line was set up. We can suffer 10 on the elevated platform. And that's under the benches, under, out, almost right. out on the road. You yes. Know, we're making work. We're making do with what we have. And moving those last two guys off to the left 
they have to shoot in between those barricades and it's a distance. So if I take those barricades out and we level that line off right there, even if it has a platform, a deck, and we do like a six person deck right there, we can split the line up and elevate that deck, do a line and then move them over and do the obstacles over because we're going to be shooting in the air anyway. It doesn't matter what the ground looks like. Then I can do that. So I have a, I have a map over this off season. I'm going to get a handyman out there. I'll do a deck and um, the deck's going to have to be more of a portable mm-hmm. um, deal. And so from there, we'll, we'll, we'll be, yeah. we'll be tuning up. But we are thinking about you guys and we're trying to make it better. So yeah, bear with we're, us. we're tuning it up. This is only the third class we've done on that range. That range was never designed originally. It was our own private little deal. It was never designed for other people to be there. It was meant for a private training facility for us. I think it was for service rifle. It was. Well, yeah. that's the guy who built it. John is, I think John or Steve, I forget his name, but he built it for service rifle, but it's private. It was never built for, a, for as our a facility. Use. Yeah, right. as for, as we're using it now. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no foresight, obviously, like we didn't even know it existed. We never set it up yeah. to do it. So now it needs to be adjusted for the off season because come October, I'm going to put out the uh, 2019 season and there will be a class every month because we already got a waiting list for October, you said. Yeah, we do. 10 people or some shit. So cool. Anything else you got? Let's finish up. We got a last seven minutes. No, or so. I'm just really excited that everybody wanted to uh, spend their weekend with us coming from out of town, coming from in town. Yep. Um, I... Walked away with a lot of positive things, and I felt good. I got home, had a few beers, and or excuse me, I had a few uh, Mike Mike's hard lemonades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Sidri, yeah, Stella Artois uh, apple cider. (laughs) Yep. And then uh, it was just a really good weekend for me. I came Mm -hmm. back into work on Monday, just completely smoked. Just like you going back out to the range, I was like, I don't know how he's doing. It's so hot out there. Yeah, yeah. But um, made it through the week, and now we're here at the weekend, man. And I got some stuff to do, but. Um, thank you guys for listening to the Everyday Sniper. Thank you, Frank, for having me back and traveling all the way up here just so we can get a couple <laughs> podcasts in and catch up. Um, even know, though Mike's we like spent the weekend together, but we never even talked kind of deal, you know, it's like we all busy, we just man. had We're, jobs to do, you know. There was a there was a lot of of minor maintenance things we did. Yeah. Uh, you know, scope slipping, resetting ter- zeros. Every time we went back to zero, we had a few scope slip that we had to redo. And it becomes that little busy work where we, we need to go for it, yep. like we talked about. Yep. Um, and that's the next step. Well, I have Jimmy D up in Alaska. Jimmy D's our guy who does all that. If you if your scope screws up when you're in Alaska, we have the USS Jimmy D off to the side. He's got a – He uh, comes running in like one of those tennis things. Yes. Like he goes, ah, grabs the ball and yes, takes off running Yes, he totally again. does. And he takes you and he fixes you so Mark and I can keep going with the class. Yes. We need the same thing for you and I because – they're bigger classes, 12 people is a lot. It is. And that downtime takes away from the other people, and, and, and I hate that. Yep. So, and the good thing, too, is like but we genu- sure. genuinely care about getting them back up and running. Yes. You know, but we also genuinely care about everybody else who's on the line. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's just a give and take kind of deal, and we and, just got to deal with it. And for the students who, on my side who, who put up with me wrenching on things, thank you. It happens every class. It's not unique. There hasn't been one class that hasn't happened. Right. But you guys having a good attitude about it, and and like I said, we we will. It, don't be afraid to go and shoot that stuff when we're there. Hey, can we shoot this? Yes, of course you can. Because mm-hmm. that might be a case where I forget to say it. Yeah. Because I'm over fixing this, and it's like, yeah, you guys can shoot. Right. While I'm doing this, 
it doesn't interfere with what we're doing. Yeah, it's so your time. It's, it is your time, and we want, I mean, and that's why we have so many targets out there. We put a lot of targets up, and I even talk about working party with that, changing the layout of the range so people can find targets easier and understand them from when they're laying prone and they all look on the same plane. Mm-hmm. You know, we're standing up, and it's like, yeah, Don't we're you gonna see that target. Yeah, we're gonna create a range card for you guys. Yeah, a hard copy, yeah, so you always have it. Because it is a case of like that target right there, the round one in the T post. Yeah, the and diamond. That there's one diamond at you know 300 yards, and there's another diamond at 600 yards. But if they you're look, laying on the same plane, they look because the same. of the size, they look the same. And it's like so. I don't see nothing. You're shooting the wrong target, dude. So we're done. We're getting out of here. Thank now you Mike's got to yeah. work. Yeah, now I got to get some work in. But mm-hmm. uh, hey, thank you guys again for listening. Uh, it's always a pleasure being able to get on here and give you kind of some thoughts and things to chew on for a little bit. I'm going to go home and edit these guys up and he'll be on it, man. Cool. Cool, man. Everyday Sniper. Frank from Sniper's High. Mike from uh, High Shooter. What is it? 303-255-9999. 303-255-9999 or you can reach me at mike at milehighshooting.com. Ask him questions from overseas. <laughs> hey, right man. on.